Hey there, all you true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And hey, I'm still Corey. And welcome back to Colorado Crime. You guys know the drill? We're just two best friends who want to chat about all things true crime. This week's case is another one from our home state of Colorado. So, without any further ado, let's jump into this week's joke. Okay, I hope everyone's sitting down for this one. It's hilarious. So, this joke was sent in to us by my old co-worker Annie, who has the same name as my sister Annie. And my sister Annie was also my old co-worker, but these are two different people. They are two different people. (laughs) (laughs) That's not confusing. No, it's not at all. Thanks, Annie, for sending this great joke. So, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Do they allow loud laughing in Hawaii or just a aloha? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, aloha. I like that one, actually. I love Hawaii. It's funny, huh? <laughs> I wish I was in Hawaii now. <laughs> She has a lot of crazy jokes, too. Ah, We used to annoy, her and I used to annoy Megan with our jokes and the fact that we called each other bro and different versions of bro, like brosephine, brosif. (laughs) Brosephine. Brotata chips. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, we had a lot. (laughs) I like to call the dogs, like, like, aww. Do you guys want a little snackaroni and cheese? <laughs> you That's funny too. Hot? A little snackaroni. They're like, Chris is like, will you stop? Leave the dogs That's alone. That's what Candace tells me about bro. Stop saying bro. My nieces say bro, and I hate it. They call their mom bro, and I'm like, shut up. I will beat you. Yeah, I have a bad habit. I call everyone bro. I don't like it. Like, hey, bro. I don't know why. Probably because at work we really did, like, our chat groups were named, like, the original, the OG brosifs. <laughs> the OG brogies. Yeah. We had a lot. <laughs> I like it. It's funny. <laughs> the high school's doing, um, like, those baby simulators, which I never oh, got. I'm really that's jealous. That's terrible. I'm so jealous. So I was there We yesterday. didn't have those either. Well, these babies are, like, $1,000. And Mm -hmm. one of our kids for every 15 minutes came in and he had a baby. And I was like, can I hold your baby? And at first he was like, sure. Well, then I shook the baby and he was not happy. And it (laughs) took a lot of bribing. But he finally (laughs) let me hold it. And he named the baby Mosk. And I named the baby everything else but Mosk. (laughs) And I refused to call it Mosk. Well, that's a terrible name. That's what I said. I -hmm. named it Ralph. Oh, Ralph's a good name. Howard's a good name. Uh, Roger. Howard. I named it everything. I was like, come on, like, let's, let's get funky with it here. He was not thrilled. But I it did is a good life it lesson. It was cool. And I would like one. So thanks for letting me hold your fake baby. Also, I stopped a girl in the hallway and I was like, can I hold your fake baby? And she was like, yes. And she <laughs> let me hold her fake baby. I was like, they're so cool. I wish we would have had She's like, Please hold this baby. <laughs> they had just gotten them. They turned on at noon. So I shook oh. it before noon. I just had oh, it in good. the car seat and I wanted to see if it would do anything. So I like mm-hmm. jolted it a little bit a lot. They are they are pretty interesting. They're I don't so know if cool. it's the same as having a real baby, but I mean, Well, kudos. I shook it and nothing happened. Don't do that to a mm-hmm. real baby, guys. No. Never shake don't a baby. Don't shake a baby. Never shake a baby. 
We learn a lot of life lessons here. Don't take candy from a man in a van and never shake a baby. Hey, isn't that a thing? It's Mm -hmm. the man in the van or man with a van. Isn't that a commercial? Yeah, it's for good times. (laughs) (laughs) It's the man in the van for good times. Well, don't take anything from him either. That's not a good marketing ploy. Mm -mm. Nope. All right, my dudes. Well, I want to give a shout out this week. Shout out time. Shout out. (laughs) To (laughs) our friend, well, Chris and I's friend, Veronica and Tony. So they're friends of mine and my husband's, and they've been listening to us. So Veronica, if you're listening, you're the best. And thank you so much for your support. Yay. I don't know Veronica and Tony, but yay. Thank you for listening to us. They're the best. We really like them. We've had a lot of fun with them. Nice. I know. Well, I wanted just to remind everybody that we really appreciate all the questions, comments, and reviews. Uh, those really help us. Um, we're just so so thankful that we have a lot of free time that we could, you know, because I don't work and I moved away. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't think you guys know, you know, I moved to Illinois. What? I know. I know. It sounds all so weird. It sounds like I'm in the same room with you. I had no idea. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry, guys. I moved away. So uh, it's just nice that we have we can carve out a f- you know a couple of hours in our day and bust these out. It really takes longer than that, just so you know. It does. Uh, I've yeah. got all these fake jobs right now. I've got a I know. podcast. I've got every mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Plus, mm-hmm. I have my real job, which is keeping me busy. So yeah working i don't have a real job but i have this house and i have my handyman which are turning into um kind of like family because now now we eat lunch together i baked him a cake today they're just painting away i love cake it's blueberry cake i just had a blueberry muffin oh nice i know so i went with my boss this morning we went and had coffee so hi jody But yeah, I had a blueberry muffin. It was delicious. So I want to throw out a shameless plug. You guys should be sure to listen to our Serial Killer Tuesday on SKT. We we try and do a month-long deep dive into different serial killer lives. Sometimes there's not a whole lot about them. So it might be three episodes, not four. Um, or short episodes so we can get four in. The month of April is the Son of Sam. David Berkowitz month. So make sure you turn in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. to find out what makes some of the most prolific serial killers tick and not like a clock. The ticky talky. Mm-hmm. All right. And friend. I hope some of I hope some of you saw our Facebook page today. Don't push people down the stairs. It's April is stress month. I only threaten to push Chris down the stairs like all the time. <laughs> but I haven't well, done don't. it yet. I gave some tips on how to keep your life stress-free. So try that instead. Probably don't have two fake jobs and a real job. And small people. Yeah. My small people had strep. My other Gross. small people, she's experiencing her first bout of heartbreak. Oh, no. And I'm so sad for her. I know. Did her I boyfriend know. move away? No, so she's not allowed to have a boyfriend. She's only nine. But this oh, boy that's that she right. Sorry. really likes, and she's liked mm-hmm. for years, like since preschool. Um, he came up to her yesterday with her best friend, mm-hmm. and they were like, 
we like each other. And then they ran away. <gasps> and she was just devastated. And she had like the worst night. And she was so nervous about school and poor little thing. Hmm, that's sad. I know. So she's very sad. So everybody tell Emerson that she deserves better. My kid's scum. Emerson, you deserve better. Boys are stupid. Throw rocks at them. Mm-hmm. But not real rocks because you know get in trouble. Yeah. Or push them down the stairs because that's bad too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, let's get into some true crime updates. Okay. So this week for you guys, I have a story for all you Colorado people. So Letitia Stouk's trial began on Monday this week. Um, Letitia, she lived in Colorado Springs, is accused of stabbing her stepson, Gannon, 18 times and shooting him in the head before driving his remains across the country to dispose of him in the Florida panhandle. So Gannon was just 11 years old when he was murdered by his stepmother in his own bedroom. He was reported missing on January 27, 2020, while his father was deployed with the National Guard. While Letitia has yet to divulge a motive, it's believed that she felt resentful in her marriage and was tired of being treated like an unpaid babysitter. Letitia has pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, claiming that she suffered a, quote, major psychotic crack as a result of childhood trauma when she killed Gannon. Letitia was arrested in South Carolina on March 2nd, 2020, and Gannon's remains were found stuffed inside of a suitcase a few weeks later. So we'll keep you updated as this one progresses. But personally, I hope that bitch rots in hell. Like the depths of the pits of hell. And I get mm -hmm. it, like mental health problems or not, what she did to that little boy was absolutely despicable. Yeah, she's a terrible person. While his dad's away, like, yeah. for real, you knew marrying him, he had a child. Like, what yep. do you think was going to happen? I agree. Fuck her. Mm-hmm. So, I know that we have talked a little bit about Brian Walsh um, here and there, but here's a little bit more. So, if you all know, Brian Walsh has been accused of misleading the police in the investigation of his missing wife, Anna. Well... As of March 31st, 2023, he has now been formally charged with first-degree murder, misleading a police investigation, and improper conveyance of a human body, despite the police not being able to find her body. Uh, Ann Walsh first went missing on New Year's Day of this year and was not reported missing until January 4th. She was supposed to be traveling to D.C. for work. Her co-workers were actually the ones that reported her missing to the police first after she didn't show up, and then Brian... Um, probably about an hour or so later, also reported her missing. The police allege that they have him on surveillance footage buying $450 worth of cleaning supplies, including tarps and buckets. They also allege that they found a damaged knife and traces of blood in the, fam in the basement of the family's home. They also found evidence at a transfer station in Peabody, Massachusetts, including trash bags with blood, a hatchet, a hacksaw, a rug, and used cleaning supplies. His car has also been impounded and is showing signs of being cleaned. Police believe that Anna Walsh's remains were thrown into a dumpster in Abington before being shredded and incinerated. They also allege that there are internet searches on the family iPad for how long before a body starts to smell and 10 ways to dump a body, not 
10 Ways to Lose a Man, as well as research on what effect ammonia would have on a corpse. At the time of Anna's supposed murder, Brian was wearing an ankle monitor, which unfortunately was not equipped with GPS monitoring because he said he needed to take his son to school, blah, blah, blah. As he was waiting sentencing on a fraud case over an art scam. So he just is a con man. In previous court cases, he's been described by witnesses as a sociopath and also as a very angry and physically violent person. It was also discovered that Anna may have been the victim of domestic violence as she had called the police over his alleged threats to kill her, but ended up dropping him. So that's weird, right? That is weird. It's weird that you search it on your iPad like a dumbass. It's just, it's so sad to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a little tiny funny story because it made me laugh real hard when I was reading about it. So, some inmates in Fulton County, Georgia, enjoyed a steak dinner and some soda in their cells last week. How'd that happen, you ask? How'd that happen, Corey? How, Corey? Well, how? I'll tell you. They scammed an officer to bring it in for them, which means they paid someone to bring in a full steak dinner to the jail for them to eat. They were caught on the CCTV camera inside the jail, and that's also a direct violation of Fulton County or really any jail or prison policy. So I hope it was worth it for the employee once they figure out who it is, and that person will be disciplined according to the department policy you just lost your job for over some steak (laughs) right and that you didn't even get to enjoy yeah (laughs) probably made it or she they right Mm -hmm. i mean if they grilled it it's probably pretty good but if you got it from someplace like applebee's no offense to applebee's but it's not really a good place to buy a steak from no Mm -mm. well not texas roadhouse Ooh, i do love their rolls or Outback. We have Outback here. I don't like Outback. I like Texas Roadhouse, though, and their butter. And they have, like, mm. the best ranch dressing. Like, I'll just mm-hmm. get a side of ranch so I could just drink that, please. That'd be great. <laughs> but, like, how did he not think, or she, they, this deputy, not think that it was going to be recorded? <laughs> right. Of all the places to go. You were like, I'm going to bring this food to jail. And- how did you get it? Did you carry it in like the styrofoam container it came in? Did you put it in like a <laughs> in your lunch? Did you because you know some of those jails your your shit gets searched? He probably put it in. So his you own just had your five steak dinners. Your, your five steak dinners in your lunch bag. I'm real hungry. And then you're carrying it around. People are like, "Why are you carrying your lunch bag around?" He's like, "I don't know. You just steak. It's bulk season." <laughs> I actually and don't then, know what you eat to bulk up, but I, I don't, imagine it would I don't be five either. steaks. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's five. I just threw out that number. but Don't you think you'd have a tummy ache from all that steak? Especially if you hadn't ate steak in a long time? Yeah, like red meat does not sit well with me. Oof. What an idiot. Like the you've been in jail for, idiots. yeah, you've been in jail for like six or eight months and you hadn't, hadn't, haven't had a steak. I hope your stomach is upset. I know. I hope you shit for weeks. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. They were eating all that jail food and they were like, oh, you know what? Poop. We got to poop. Please bring I us watched, a steak. I was watching court TV because they've been talking about um, Alex Murdaugh's uh, cousin Eddie who's in jail right now. And My cousin the fact Eddie. That, Isn't that a movie? Yeah. But it's his cousin Eddie. Yeah. 
but he talking about how he gained 55 pounds in, in jail. And one of the person, one of the people on the panel was like, how do you gain that much in jail? And I'm like, each meal is like two, 2000 to 2,500 calories. Like, yeah, it's no joke. No, <laughs> no, that's how you gain 55 pounds. Uh -huh. <laughs> if you're eating three meals a day at 2000 calories, you could be on my 600 pound life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which reminds me, jail food is really gross, so don't go there. And I know because when we had COVID, the jail was short-staffed and all the trustees who served the meals had COVID. So jail employees had to had to serve meals. And I served meals because I'm a good employee and, you know, <laughs> pat myself on the back. Brown nothing else to do. So I was like, you know what? I can help do this. And first of all, it's hot as balls in mm -hmm. that kitchen. And it the food like is gross. Broccoli. Yeah, it's gross. And we didn't even have broccoli and it still smelled like smooshy broccoli. I know. Mm -hmm. Every day it smelled like that. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I just remember the cookies. Those were good. Yeah. Yeah, those aren't too bad. Cookies, they had cake and brownies and stuff. So that's, I mean, mm -hmm. it's not terrible, but it's 2,000 calories. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to think, like, somebody's making those. <laughs> And it's mm -hmm. not a guard. Mm -mm. It's not the kitchen staff. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it's the kitchen staff. Sometimes it is. But sometimes mm -hmm. the kitchen staff consists. Just watches over. Uh -huh. Of inmates. Yeah. Who cook your cookies. Uh-huh. I don't care. Don't ruin cookies for everyone. Okay. I won't. Thanks. Cookies are delicious. They're so good. Okay. Cool. Well, let's get into this week's case. Let's do it. Do it, do it, do it. So jazzy of you. I know. I'm in a better mood today. I love that for you. Thank I you. I love too. that for me too. All right. Well, this week's case is actually one that to this day remains unsolved. A husband killed a father never to meet his son. And it could have all been a mistake. So this week, we're going to talk about Sean May. Sean May began working as a chief deputy district attorney with the 17th Judicial District Attorney's Office in 2001. He earned his law degree in 1998 from the University of Virginia. He didn't initially set out to become a district attorney, though. Sean accepted a job at Cooley's Global Firm directly out of college. So Cooley's is actually an international company and an elite law firm for technology and life science companies, startups and emerging growth companies, and venture capital firms. So to say this was a sweet gig would sort of be an understatement. This was a very lucrative career that could have provided Sean with many, many opportunities. But in 2001, Sean left the company when he felt called to become a prosecutor for the Adams County District Attorney's Office. There, he became a respected and successful prosecutor. In April of 2008, Sean received the Ed Towey Award for his outstanding service for the victims of crimes, and he was named Chief Trial Deputy just two months before his death. Sean often practiced his opening statements in front of his dog, which I think is such a cute little fact and such a special thing that people can go on to share with his son. 
because I talk to my dogs all the time and I'm actually like pretty positive they they get tired of hearing me gab on and on, but I don't care. I still talk to them. Yeah, I talk to mine too. Um, but this week they've been kind of on my nerves because it's been thundering and lightning and storming and Dexter is terrified of the lightning. <laughs> and this morning he woke up, I don't know what time, because I don't check it because otherwise I can't go to sleep. And it was still dark out, so I'm assuming it was dark time. <clears throat> Shaking, because he is a chihuahua mix, so he when he gets scared, he shakes like a tremoring train. You be nice so to my best friend. So he's sitting between the pillows, just shaking <laughs> like a crazy person. And, you know, it was dark and I was annoyed. So we we tried the whole comforting thing for a hot second. And then Candace tried the whole comforting thing for a hot second. And then I was like, F this. And I got up and he stayed the night in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> when it became light outside, I opened up the closet door and he was like, Hey, I hate you. And I'm like, Well, <laughs> I hate you too. I don't know. I, I hate you too. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Because <laughs> he doesn't like the lightning. Aww. He can't really he's kind of deaf, so he can't really hear the thunder anymore, but the lightning freaks him out. He's my best. So friend. now of course he's real tired, so he's sleeping. Those little sons of bitches. Yeah, sons of bitches. Luna likes to be up at 423 every day. Mm. She wants to get up, go downstairs, go potty, come inside, eat breakfast, go potty, and then she wants to come back and sleep. Yeah. So we go back to bed till like 6, and then I'm like, okay, we have to get up. And she's like, no, it's, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have to. And she's like, mm, you do you, boo. <laughs> I already ate my breakfast. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need you anymore. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah so he was well, a closet dog that's unfortunate for him mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm glad you freed him yeah yeah you're welcome <laughs> so during sean's seven years of service in adams county he volunteered for the child victim unit where he pursued justice for children who had been physically and or sexually abused at the time of his death he was responsible for training and supervising new prosecutors. In this role, Sean always stressed the importance of acting responsibly, including treating victims, the community, defendants, and the courts with dignity and respect. On August 27th, 2008, Sean was driving home to his house in Northwest Denver from his office in Brighton. At the time, he was calling a defense attorney friend to warn him that the family the man defended was making threats. Sean told the attorney to be careful. Shortly after the call ended, Sean pulled into the alley behind his beautiful brick bungalow. As he was headed into his house, he was ambushed by a gunman who shot him twice, once in the back of the head and once in the lower back. Chief Deputy District Attorney Sean May, who was just 37 at the time, died a few hours later at the hospital. It was the first murder of a Colorado prosecutor that anyone could document and just the 11th killing of its kind in the country. Denver police detectives have never publicly confirmed if they suspect that Sean's murder was related to his work as a prosecutor or whether they are any closer to identifying a suspect. 
Detectives began carefully examining the countless cases that Sean was involved in. This must have been a huge undertaking, as it is estimated that in his four years as a senior prosecutor, Sean was involved in roughly a thousand felony cases, and in the three years before that, he probably handled at least 3,000 misdemeanor cases. Some of those misdemeanor cases did, however, involve domestic violence, and those cases can spark some pretty volatile emotions for all the people involved. Sean seemed like an all-around cool guy. He loved the international talk like a pirate day. He also had a pedigree that opened many doors for him. He had an undergraduate degree from Stanford and a law degree from the University of Virginia. All his friends and co-workers have said that Sean was not the type of guy to get in an argument in the alley or have some escalating situation in his backyard. Sean's co-workers realized that they had been in a cocoon. They realized that they were worried about witnesses and police officers, but didn't worry about themselves. They started to take additional safety precautions. To this day, all pictures of district attorneys have been removed from the Adams County District Attorney's web- Office website. But... Sean's murder could have been a mistake. There is a real possibility that Sean May was killed because a hit was placed on someone with the same last name. So let's think back a few cases ago. You'll remember we discussed another public figure who was murdered, Thomas Clements. He was allegedly murdered by two 11 crew members. Well, Sean May's name was awfully similar to another Colorado district attorney. However, the other district attorney worked in El Paso County. So, I'm going to give you guys a quick little geography lesson. El Paso County is south of Denver. It includes Colorado Springs, Fountain, Manitou Springs, Callahan, Monument, Palmer Lake, Black Forest, Fort Carson, Peyton, Rush, and Yoder, to name a few. Guess who lived in Monument? Mr. Thomas Clements. So all of that seems like a pretty big coincidence, right? Well, it gets weirder. The district attorney from El Paso County is named Dan May. As we were researching this case, we stumbled upon a few articles from varying news sites that claimed Sean May was murdered accidentally. So, according to KDVR, El Paso County District Attorney Dan May has never prosecuted anyone for the 2013 assassination of Thomas Clements, the Colorado Department of Corrections director at the time, due to its proximity to the unsolved murder of a district attorney. So, a former El Paso County detective named Mark Poff told the news station, quote, I think it has to do with the Sean May murder, end quote. Mark Poff retired in 2014, but he actually worked the Thomas Clements case as a detective for the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. He went on to say that DA Dan May may have been afraid to go after all the culprits in the Clements case because May may have been the actual target of a 2008 murder that's never been solved. In 2008, Dan May was a prosecutor in the 18th Judicial District 
And he actually had a history of prosecuting 211 crew members. So the retired detective went on to explain that they had received intel from a CI or a confidential informant that actually confirmed the mistake and the connection. Interesting. This whole case gets weirder and weirder. I know. I mean, first of all, as a hitman, you should probably get your name straight. So you're not just killing the wrong person. Right? You're not a very good hitman. Well, I mean, they're all behind bars. So they're all doing this communication from prison. And then someone gets out and they're like, Did they say Sean? Did they mean Dan? I don't know. Let's kill them all. Well, they only killed one, though. People are dumb. I know. So, days after Thomas Clements was murdered, an informant sent a letter to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. According to the article, KDVR.com obtained a copy of the letter and read it in part. I overheard some gang members talking about a hit on a Colorado DA that went wrong. 211 murdered the wrong DA. See, the hit was put out on a DA May of Colorado Springs, El Paso County, but 211 ended up with the address of DA Sean May of the Adams, Denver County, and killed him at his home, thinking he was the real target. Poff believes Dan May was afraid for his life, and that is the reason he never convened a grand jury to go after the other 211 gang members who might have aided in Clement's assassination. Sean May left behind his wife, Corinne, both his mom and dad, Pat and Bill, his younger brother, Matt, and his unborn son, who was born just three months after his murder. A special reward of up to $125,000 is available through the Metro Crime Stoppers. It's the largest reward available through the group, which collects anonymous tips about unsolved crimes. Anyone with information can call 720-913-STOP. And that's 720-913-7867. Tips can also be submitted online through the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers website. The tip line is answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that is where we are going to end Sean May. Corey, what do you think? This one was kind of a little conspiracy theory-ish. Mm-hmm. Do it was a little ever- conspiracy theory-ish, and it was short because there's not a whole lot of information out. And I do think that people are terrified of 211. So I think that's probably a lot of it, that why no one's come forward and why they haven't really figured out who and what happened. Do you think it'll ever be solved? Um, I think I think in some way they know that it was probably someone from the 211 gang, but they will never they'll probably never find out who it was. If you guys are interested, there are two pictures online of people of interest that have never Mm -hmm. been identified. So if you guys wanted to look that up and see if you recognize them. Yeah, you could submit your tips. Yep. Pass that on. That's what the Crime Stoppers website is for. Yep. Well, we do. This one was pretty short because there really isn't a lot of information, which is good because we have a boatload of questions. Do we do? So... Um, this is a good one. Um, I'm leaving them all anonymous. Um, I don't want to out anybody's questions and I don't want to out anybody who maybe wasn't um, 
who didn't want their name on. Um, if this is your question, thank you. It's really good. We really like it. Um, we both have some pretty good answers about this one. So I'm going to read it and then Amanda will answer and then I will answer. Okay, cool. Okay. So this question is, do you have any personal connection to someone who has been killed or a murderer besides someone you've encountered in your time at jail? So I do not that I can think of. I do. Ooh. Um, so my one of my very best friend co-workers. Um, okay, so a little backstory about me. Um, my dad was a deputy sheriff for the Weld County Sheriff's Office for 35, 37 years, somewhere in there. Um, from like 1978. 1976 until he retired in 2010 i think 2010 or 2011 so he was there for a really really long time i started at the well county sheriff's office in 2004 and a little while after me we all we all have badge numbers and a little while while after me this awesome awesome dude started on my dad's shift his name was sam brownlee um my dad treated his, his, he was a commander and that's when we had commanders and, um, not corporals and lieutenants like it is now and sergeants. So it was commanders and, and, um, I don't deputy threes and stuff like that. So my dad treated all his guys on his shift, like they were his sons and family members. So on weekend days, um, he would always, they would all meet at restaurants for breakfast and we would meet there too. So it'd be my dad's crew and all of us meeting there for breakfast. So that's where I first met Sam. And, um, Sam was just a really cool, he was like the brother I always wanted. And we had, we had like a really cool relationship. Um, when he met his wife, Heather, uh, she had a house that was probably a block away from where I was living with my sister and we would go over there and hang out with them. You know, we did garage sales with them. They would pick us up when we'd go out to eat with my parents. Like it was a whole thing. We were like a little family. It was, it was really amazing. He was killed in the line of duty, um, chasing a suspect into Fort Morgan. I'm sorry. And he was shot with his own gun. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he was killed, and it was a it was horrible and traumatizing for Weld County, and it was horrible and traumatizing for his two kids and Heather's two kids, and um, it's probably the reason my dad retired. And it was just it was just a really shitty situation, and it went down a way that. It never should have gone down. And and that that guy died too, but uh so did Sam. So it's not really a fair it's not really fair. And then um I also worked with Tom Fallis, so we'll just leave that right there. Oh, that is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is true. So that was a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. A little broken no. up about that. Don't be <laughs> sorry. 
I didn't have the chance to meet Sam. He actually passed the Thanksgiving before I started. Right. Um, but I mean, everything that I've heard from everybody, he, like, this isn't just like because Corey knew his family. I mean, everybody who knew him loved him. He was just mm-hmm. one of those people that you met and you just instantly connected with. And it didn't matter who you were or where you were or where you came from. He was just kind of that person. And he was a really good deputy. He was he was really fair and kind and the thing that people should aspire to be in, in policing. Absolutely. Everything that Tom Fallis wasn't. <laughs> Which, right? I'll talk about that real quick because I don't work okay. here. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so, I haven't been there in a long time. So, I started in 2011 in August. And... I decided that I was going to move up to Greeley and I was going to get my own apartment, which I'd never done. I'd never been by myself. And we used to carpool all the time. So it was New Year's Eve. And like Weld County was kind of a cool place because it really became a family. And it wasn't just for like our booking department or corrections. I mean, like it was kind of all of Weld County. Like Mm -hmm. anybody who worked patrol or in the jail or in booking or any of that. Like, we were all kind of a family. Well, Tom Fallis had a party at his house. And a ton of our our jail guys were there. And apparently, he claims that his wife had marijuana. And he freaked out and said, we can't have this. I'm going to lose my job. And then she turned, he claims she turned the gun on herself and shot herself in the head. The plot thickens, though, when I tell you that she actually had a child who had special needs. And she was, like, the most involved parent. And she mm-hmm. sat on the board for the, the uh, foundation. And she's yeah, the parent all... who would never have left her child. Yeah. And... Typically, when a woman kills herself, she doesn't use a gun. It's messy, and she doesn't want to be found unattractive. Right. So he actually was arrested, um, and I think a lot later. A lot later, Mm -hmm. and he did go to trial for it, didn't he? Yeah, and was found not guilty. He was found not guilty, and he Mm -hmm. actually he doesn't live in the or he didn't he left the state after the trial. Um, but he had actually left the state. Um, before before mm-hmm. they actually had to bring him back here for yeah he the was trial. extradited uh-huh yeah a whole effed up case like, it was and i had just started there and i remember thinking like holy fuck mm-hmm. i think i got my apartment in october and this happened in january and i remember being yep. like oh my god i don't want to live here anymore it's so scary yeah yeah so yeah so those are two things yeah (laughs) good times yeah (laughs) and they weren't just people we encountered there i mean they were we encountered them there but right they weren't people we like yeah i my last one i do have one i'm sorry okay so i grew up my dad was a god a detective and then a commander for federal heights and there was a, an officer there named Frank, and he was just, like, such a cool guy. And I'd known him since I was five. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he loved his job, and he had 
he has three kids and every year they did this huge, huge, huge Christmas drive and he was a patrol deputy. So he would go out and he, I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Federal Heights, but it's, it's not a very wealthy area and a lot of it is trailer parks. And so he would interact with these people and he'd go to the schools and he would, you know, he kind of got to know these families who needed that extra help and he created a toy drive at Christmas. And that's cool. It was cool. And I think it was what year are we in? 23. So 20, Mm -hmm. I think it was 2021 that federal heights kind of went through a political shift, Mm -hmm. which if you're not in law enforcement, I'm sure this is everywhere, but so, so much of law enforcement is political and it is 1000% the reason I won't go back. Because right. it's not how good you are at your job. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Right. And unfortunately for Frank, he crossed the city manager, who I won't name, but look her up. She actually was um, investigated in Estes Park. But she fired him and she went out of her way to just destroy him and to destroy his character and even though none of it was true, he took it to heart. And he took well, his retirement. Well, it's hard reti- not to. Oh, absolutely. And he took his retirement. And him and his wife were building a new house. And unfortunately, his oldest daughter found him dead in his garage last mm, year. That suck. All because of a stupid fucking witch hunt. Mm-hmm. Because one person didn't like anybody. And the chief supported her. Yep. Because the chief didn't want to lose his job. And that is a whole nother story. And that's what happens to good police work. You lose the good officers because they actually give a shit about their job. Mm -hmm. To bad ones that suck. Yep. And Mm -hmm. all they want to do is kiss somebody's ass so that they can climb the ranks. Yep. 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 That's my soapbox. I'm going to get off. Yeah, that, that's how I feel, too. You <laughs> lose a lot of good officers and deputies to shitty ones. Yep. And we have a, a shitty whole, management. We have a whole see something, don't say anything mentality. And when you have that, instead of one crappy officer, you now have a thousand crappy officers. Because if one doesn't say anything, nobody else is going to. Yep. And nobody wants to lose their job. Yep. I mean, I could talk about that with booking. Yep. We had a great department and, and a, a shitty, shitty manager. Leader. Yep. And we fucking fell apart because of it. Yep. And ask any of us who were there during that time. All of us have PTSD from her. Yep. Because you have one shitty leader and she messes it up for everybody or he yep. messes it up for everybody. Yep. And it's ridiculous. We're off our soapbox. We can move yeah. on to our okay. next question. Okay. So we have another one. Who is your favorite serial killer? <laughs> and why do you have a favorite serial killer? <laughs> uh, okay. So I hate using the word favorite. It's such a yucky feeling because it's not, I don't want to say like, oh my God, they're my favorite. I know, I know. But there's not but the a better you, way to say it. There isn't. There isn't a better way to say it. <laughs> but the the I have I have two that I just find okay. 
fascinating. fascinating. Okay. My first one is Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold from Columbine. Mm-hmm. They completely, completely changed the world. Yeah, they did. Um, and not in a good way. No. And it just baffles me how two young kids can have that much anger and hatred inside of them. And so that they're not my favorite, but it the way that they went from being teenage boys to being these prolific spree killers just makes it it just boggles my brain. Yeah. And my other one would be one that we're going to cover later. So I'm not going to talk about that one. But when we do get to that episode, I will totally tell you guys because that one's fascinating. Um, But I'll, I'll say my other one would be Ted Bundy. Just because everybody because other thought people he was, find him so fascinating. Oh, my God. Everybody thought he was, like, so attractive. And he's awful looking. And it just... Uh, for me it's the zodiac killer oh that's a good one yeah um i find it i find it interesting that this person um killed so many people and no one has ever figured out who they are yeah that one's crazy Mm -hmm. ever never they never figured it out. He's he's it's, it's unsolved. All of those murders unsolved. They know it was one guy, the Zodiac killer. They don't know who he is. They've never figured it out. I also find I like that Jack the Ripper because that's the same kind of um, uh, instance. But yeah. I mean that was back in the eighteen hundreds and in England. Uh, but. I find it fascinating that someone just went around killing, like, gutting prostitutes, basically. And no one ever, they never, never solved it. So, I find that, I found both of those cases pretty, well, all, those two are fascinating to me. I agree. Um, Why do I have a favorite serial killer? Because I'm a sociopath. It's fine. (laughs) I am not. I don't think I'm a sociopath. God, I hope not. I just. I'm I think, probably not really, but. I like. I really like to know how their mind works. I like mm-hmm. how they went from A to B to C, and like, I want to know what got them there. Right. It is very interesting. That's. that's like how you I wake have. up one day and you're like, you know what? I'm going to kill a bunch of people. That's what yep. I'm going to do today. Yeah. And not spree, because that's a spree killer. A serial yes. killer is someone who kills people over a long period of time. A spree killer is somebody, a spree or mass murderer kills people, a bunch of people in a short amount of time. I know. There's a difference. They're, they're my... Spree killing is interesting, too. I mean, that's why a lot of times people say, don't go postal, because that did happen. It did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. Okay. So here's another one. one. Ready? Yep. Why do you ladies think that Dean Coral isn't a widely known serial killer? Um, I think because it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back then, like things weren't as as publicly known. 
And right. I think that as a society, everything kind of got swept under the rug. So there was still that illusion right. that like you can have the the white picket fence and live happily ever after. And, and everything was safe and your kids could play outside, play outside. until it was dark and yes. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of it. Was that American dream safety net kind of feel? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of people didn't have like you didn't have necessarily your own phone line sometimes you had a party line yeah uh, you didn't necessarily there was no cellular devices no social media some people didn't even have TVs like you listened to the radio there were a lot of things that happened in the in the early the late 60s early 70s that didn't it wasn't like it is now so I think that's a, a lot of it and the fact that I mean he his murders were he, no one was finding bodies so that's the other thing well I mean, and they didn't and a find bodies until he was killed right and a man sleeping with another man back then no. would was never even have worse. made yeah no. yeah the, there was completely a different like thought process when it came to homosexuality yeah it was such a taboo thing that that nobody wanted to talk about it and that it was icky and Mm -hmm. you know and that that those people were asking for it and Mm -hmm. that is something that i've been really impressed with in the 2020s is i feel like even in like the the late 2000s is we as a society have really most of us tennessee i'm looking Mm -hmm. at you (laughs) <laughs> have we've really tried Florida. to grow as people yeah and mm-hmm. and I, th- it just wasn't a thing back in the 70s mm-hmm. and i also think that we hadn't reached the 80s and that like whole satanic panic thing and the drugs and right. hiv and so the news media didn't really like catastrophize Mm-mm. things back then no you know it was like oh let's go look at this kitty clothing show like, right probably not a kitty clothing show it'd probably be <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, like it was a little yeah. bit more sunshine and puppies and less, like, doom and gloom. Right. So, um, the like, the sub-question of that was, do you think it has anything to do with the media or lack of media? And, yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, too. I do think that there wasn't a huge media coverage because it was, first of all, it was teenage boys missing. And back in the 70s, people ran away a lot. There was a mm-hmm. lot of hitchhiking. Um, that... And people did leave and people did run away. However, the families of these boys knew that that wasn't their son. Mm-hmm. So, and the other sub question was, do you think it had anything to do with the lack of law enforcement presence or the dismiss- dismissal of the disappearances as being labeled as runaways? And I do think that too. And I do think the fact that I honestly think that the fact that people were not finding bodies. Yeah. Um, he had buried them well enough and gotten rid of the bodies well enough and not kept them at his home like Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, John Wayne Gacy, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Gein, all those people who kept bodies in their homes. Um, it's not as, it's not as noticeable when he, I mean, sure he moved a lot, but people just probably thought, oh, he didn't, he moved a lot. Like, right. It, that that wasn't think, really suspicious back then. No. I think that had he not been killed and had he lived a little bit longer at the residence he was at in his final times, his father's house, I think that he would have eventually been found out um, that way. Um, 
being killed was just his downfall in more ways than one. (laughs) But (laughs) I think him being killed really, I think he would have gone on to kill more boys. And I think he would have probably ended up burying them closer to his, closer to where he was. But when you live in an apartment, you can't really bury bodies anywhere. So that's why he buried them in a boathouse and the lake and the beach and things like that. And those were, I mean, nobody went to his boathouse. Right. So you're not going to find bodies there. And he was smart enough. I mean, he was a smart guy. He was smart enough to know to bury him with lime. And, you know, those guys would have never found any of those bodies had it not been for, for Elmer Wayne Henley and David Brooks leading them to, to them. I totally agree. And I also think that um, the FBI, like their profiling unit was still Mm -hmm. in its infancy then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that became a thing in 1971. And Mm -hmm. so it was so new and there were there were so few people working on it that, you know, now it's its own department. And well, that and the fact that the law enforcement classified almost every single one of those boys missing as, runaway. as runaways. Right. So the FBI was never involved. Right. Right. Until they found the bones. Right. And profiling, I mean, it, like I said, it was in its infancy, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. So they didn't know that what they were looking for. They had no mm-hmm. idea that they wouldn't have even had, I really just no. think like they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have even had the forethought to say, oh the God, tools. this could be a serial killer. This could right. be something bigger. I think they were like still living in puppies and sunshine and you yeah. know and it was man, Texas, these boys just so. ran away. Yeah. I mean California had seen more serial murders than mm-hmm. than probably Texas ha- had forever. So I, I honestly think there just wasn't there wasn't the tools, there wasn't the resources, there was a lack of media, there was a lack of law enforcement being involved with anything. And they were quick to move missing boys and missing girls into runaways or prostitution. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The 70s were a strange time. They were. It was was a pivotal time in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was. All right. um, These are some good questions. I... They were very thought provoking and I like the little discussion at the end. I think we're, I think that's really nice. So if you want to keep hearing that, please get us your questions. Uh, um, Facebook, Instagram, you can DM us. You can slide into our DMs. You can send us a carrier pigeon. Whatever. Send us a carrier pigeon. If you know where we live, you can mail us an app. You can mail us a letter. Uh, If you're the one of the 10 people that may have our text, text message number you can text message us and get your jokes in we like to hear your jokes too so make sure you make sure you get those into us we appreciate that all right crime fans until next time thank you so much for joining us today again make sure you send us your questions if you haven't already please subscribe so you can be notified every time we upload if you enjoy listening to us every week please leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love doing listener shout-outs, so make sure that you leave a comment or a review for us. New episodes are released every Friday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Please follow us on Instagram at Colorado Crime Pod or on Facebook at Colorado Crime Podcast for information on next week's episode as well as other true crime happenings. 
We hope that you have a beautiful day wherever you are. And as always, stay safe. Until next time, podcastians, have the weekend you deserve. <laughs>